0: What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Garcetti with you guys here to wrap up another week. Hope it's been a good one for you. Hope you guys have been staying safe. It is April 3rd. We are now less than three weeks away from the start of the 2020 NFL draft, and that's. Kind of where I, where I want to focus again today. We looked at three cornerbacks, or, or talked about three cornerbacks yesterday. I want to talk about three more today to kind of keep that trend going. So the three we're going to look at today are going to be Jalen Johnson of Utah, Damon Arnett of Ohio State, and Cameron Dansler of Mississippi State. We're going to touch on them a little bit, look at some scouting reports on the, on the interwebs, as it were, and uh, just kind of talk about them as... Potential options for the Panthers there in rounds two or even three. Uh, but a couple things I want to touch on. There were, were a couple pieces of news from the Panthers yesterday. Uh, we'll start with the likelihood now that the Panthers are getting a new practice facility uh, in a couple of years. As the Panthers closed the deal now on 240 acres of land in Rock Hill South Carolina. That's according to John Marks of the Rock Hill Herald. They completed the purchase of more than 240 acres just across the border in South Carolina in Rock Hill where they will build their new training facility. They paid more than $16 million for that land. And an interesting note here from a Pro Football Talk, they say the same company that represented the team in the purchase also bought a nearby golf course in Rock Hill. And this was written by uh, Darren Gant, who has some Charlotte ties. I remember, I believe his, some of his prior work before coming to pro football talk was as a Panthers beat writer. So he's obviously got connections there. Uh, He writes Panthers owner, David Tepper has envisioned a grand project because that's what he does, which will include a full orthopedic facility along with entertainment, restaurants, and residential components. The city of Rock Hill plans to annex the site into the city and they have been negotiating tax incentives and development agreements for the project, which the team hopes to open in 2022. So we're likely looking at uh, the last two years now, you know, since it doesn't open till 22, we figure they'll probably stay for 20 and maybe even 21. So two more years at most. Uh, That's, of course, if they're able to practice at all this year at uh, Wofford College in Spartansburg. But uh, after that, it's pretty much set now that their new training facility will be in Rock Hill now that they have the have the land purchased. Now, obviously, who knows when they'll be able to start building the facility because of all this going on with uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, that actually kind of leads us into the other little bit of news From yesterday as Christian McCaffrey becomes the latest sports figure to start raising funds and create his own foundation to help some of those frontline workers with the COVID-19 outbreak. So really cool to see that Christian McCaffrey launching the 22 and you foundation in partnership with Lowe's and Bosey. Or Bose, however, it's pronounced. Uh, Twenty-two and you will be Christian's campaign to help raise funds for the North Carolina Healthcare Foundation and the South Carolina Hospital Association Foundation. Uh, so it's just his way of uh, bringing awareness. It's a uh, you know it's a fundraising effort by Christian McCaffrey to support frontline medical workers, including physicians, nurses. And other hospital staff battling the COVID-19 pandemic in hospitals throughout the Carolinas. And Christian wrote, uh, today I'm launching a new initiative called 22 and You to support our frontline healthcare heroes in the Carolinas. Join me and give what you can at christianmccaffrey22.org. He also writes, I am personally matching the commitment of these great companies and encourage people to donate whatever you can $22, $220, $22, $220, or $2,200. So any uh, increment there, he's he's looking for. And, again, you can visit ChristianMcCaffrey22.org. You'll get more information on 22 and you. So really cool to see Christian uh, start giving back in that sense as well, helping out the folks there in the Carolinas. Again, you guys, if you're in the Carolinas or you know wherever you may be listening to, or listening from again, I hope you guys are staying safe. So, let's talk football a little bit or as as much as we can. Like I said, I wanted to start talking about some of these, uh, some more of these cornerbacks here. So, we'll start with Damon Arnett here, the corner out of Ohio State, about six feet, 195 pounds. Uh, Intrigued, you know, definitely interested in him. You know, I know there's, uh, with some of these corners, there's some ups ups and downs, but uh, I just watched him a little bit in the uh, national semifinal against Clemson, and I thought he, he played pretty well. I thought he held his own against uh, the Clemson receivers, and we know they've got some uh, really good receivers. Obviously, T. Higgins is about to get drafted in the NFL, and uh, Justin Ross is going to be a very high pick, I think. In next year's class. In what's going to be another stacked wide receiver class. But I thought Damon Arnett played pretty well. I thought he showed uh, pretty good man skills. Um, he, he moved around the field pretty well. Didn't really get beat a lot. So um, I was pretty intrigued by him. i um, looking at a couple of scouting reports here on the Draft Network. So I'll just read some notes here from Ben Solak. Uh, says he's a highly physical corner who loves to crowd the kitchen. And cancel throwing... Th- throwing windows before they develop, and, you know, I saw a little bit about that, too, you know, he definitely wasn't afraid to jam the receiver at the line of scrimmage, he, uh, he did a really nice job of, uh, getting receivers off their route, I think, and, um, at least in, in that game against Clemson, I thought he showed some, some really good ball skills, so I, I definitely agree there, zone coverage said not super polished here, but has flashy reps, that illustrate promise clearly understands route concepts and doesn't play himself out of position when his side suddenly vacates players can rock and roll with success and has great transitional quickness to get connected. But his spacing tends to be too distant early in reps doesn't sail technique. Well, Um, you know, I I can understand that Um, we're talking here about, um, you know, his own technique again, and the way he's like, the way he could flip his hips, things like that. Uh, he he definitely, like I said, he, he definitely looked a little better in man coverage, I think, than he did in zone coverage. But, um, you know, it's not like he was terrible in zone coverage. Um, and then talked about his... F- first he says, has the goods, folks, an exclamation mark when talking about press technique. Again, that's about, um, you know, the, the jamming at the line of scrimmage, uh, being able to... And then being able to stick with his receivers, which, I again, I thought he did really well. Ball skills, saw a lot of those against Clemson. Uh, He does a real nice job of attacking the ball, knocking the ball out when it gets to the receiver. So, you know, for a second or third round pick, if he makes it to the third round, uh, I I like Damon Arnett. You know, I finally got a chance to get a closer look at him. And um, obviously he has that Ohio State pedigree and you know certainly he benefited from playing opposite Jeff Okuda but again in the with with some of the teams he was playing you know he's still going up against some really good receivers and i thought he was challenged well and i i came away pretty impressed with uh, with Damon Arnett so you know for a second round pick again he's uh, he's another guy that i think if uh, if the Panthers don't go corner in round 1 which i think is very possible Ah, uh, Damon Arnett is another name, I think, to keep in mind uh, with that uh, with that second round pick or even if he happens to fall to the third round, which is pretty possible. So um, you know, i'm I'm a fan of Damon Arnett.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: We'll move over to Jalen Johnson now, uh, about 6 feet, 190 pounds, out of Utah. I got a chance this morning to watch his game against uh, Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game. And we'll start by looking at one of the scouting reports here on the Draft Network as well. We'll read what Jonah tolls wrote about him. So he started with vertical matching, says, has the athleticism to match up with anybody, possesses excellent speed to stay on top of receivers, route downfield, needs to improve his technique in avoiding getting stacked. Uh, then wrote about mirror and close, reactionary quickness is elite, footwork is well coordinated with his eye, seamlessly stays on hip pocket of receiver in and out of breaks, hip fluidity is easily recognizable. And uh, again, I, like Damon Arnett, I thought Jalen Johnson, you know, at least in that game against Oregon, did a really nice job of kind of sticking with the receivers. You know, he really didn't get lost all that much. I thought he he held his, he held his own very well, you know, and there's been a lot of love. We talked about Jalen Johnson in the past. Uh, there's been some mock drafts that we've talked about that have had, Jalen Johnson as a uh, as a pick for the Panthers and I, I can definitely understand it. You know, Utah you know really any of the you know if if you watch the Utah defense, you know that they have a bunch of defensive backs that look pretty good and all have a good chance of being drafted. Obviously, Jalen Johnson looks like he's going to be the first of those, but you've got Terrell Burgess, the you know, that can kind of play anywhere. You know, he's played all over the place. I think he'd, he'd be a good nickel guy. And um, Julian Blackman, we know, is a, a very athletic safety. Obviously, he has the injury issues, you know, that bad injury that he suffered against Oregon. But if he can get over that, we know that he was a, a really strong, really athletic player. So, you know, he's he's going to be a good value for someone, I think, too. Uh, Julian Blackman because obviously the injury issues are going to knock him down a couple of pegs so he's probably going to be available in day three and really he's a guy I wouldn't think that would be a bad fit for the Panthers either because again he's, he's got that versatility you know I, I could see a scenario where the Panthers end up with both Isaiah Simmons and Julian Blackman and if that's the case then you've got two Flexible guys, you know, one really strong chess piece, and then uh, another, you know, I guess if we're going to compare this to chess, Isaiah Simmons definitely is the queen, and uh, Julian Blackman, I guess, would be kind of the, I don't know, I guess he'd be the knight, I, I don't know, I am haven't played chess too much lately, you know, I'm trying to remember what the, the next powerful piece in chess would be, I guess it would be the knight, because of, of the way it moves, you know, the rook can go up and down and across, and, uh, the bishop is diagonal, so I guess they all kind of have equal value, but he, he's still a pretty good chess piece, nonetheless. Not as strong, uh, as the queen, obviously, but, uh, he's definitely in that mix with the, with the rook, the queen, they the rook, the knight, and the bishop. Listen to me, I sound like a nerd, I feel like I should be playing chess on the computer right now against one of these big computers, um, moving my pawns and all that, but, Um, bottom line is, these are two flexible players and, you know, for a day three pick, he's, he's worth the gamble because he's going to be get, he's going to get over that injury. And, uh, I think he's going to do really well for whatever team he plays, but getting back to Jaylon or yeah, getting back to, to Jaylon Johnson. Um, like I said, really, really came away impressed with the way he plays. You know, I, I could see him, I could see him going early second round. He might be one of those uh, highly coveted uh, secondary guys, highly coveted corners. I mean, six feet obviously is is good size for a corner. So, uh, really intrigued where he ends up going. But, um, you know, I I definitely I definitely could see him as well as a fit. You know, there, there's a lot of corners here. There's definitely a lot of corners as uh, as solid players here that that we've been talking about. That I think. Uh, you know, it, it makes it, it makes it a little more comfortable that if you don't get Jeff Jeff Okuda, you know, you can settle for some some solid players in the, in the second round. Obviously, Jeff Okuda would be the prize here, and if he somehow falls to seven, I think the Panthers have to snatch him up. But there's some guys here in, in day two that I think would work out just fine uh, if that's the case. And then uh, third guy, we'll talk about to kind of wrap things up a little bit here. Is uh, Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi State? About six two, hundred and eighty five pounds. You know, he kind of seems like the the up and down guy in a lot of draft media. There's some, there definitely seems to be some uh, some varying opinions on him. But I will say this: Cameron Dantzler is definitely not lacking in confidence. Because uh, we touched on this before, I remember, I think I've said on the podcast before too. But uh, at the combine, when all the players are were meeting with the media, I remember he was at the podium right next to Christian Fulton, the corner out of LSU, and you know, with all the confidence in the world, because he was he was asked about how he compares himself in the among the corners, especially in the SEC, and he came right out and he said that he feels he is the best cornerback in the SEC, and again, this was with Christian Fulton standing right next to him, and then obviously you've got other really good options out of the SEC. You've got C.J. Henderson out of Florida, uh, uh, Noah, Noah Igbenogany, who we talked about yesterday out of Auburn, Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama, who we also talked about, so there's a few top SEC corners, but... Uh, again he was quite confident in his abilities that he, he came right out and said he feels he's the best he's the best cornerback uh out of the SEC so he's certainly not without uh confidence you know but he's had his up and down moments he um you know i watched him a little bit against Dolmus this morning and uh there were definitely some times where he struggled you know he's he's definitely it's definitely athletic. There, there's no doubt. He's, he definitely has the size. I mean, again, six foot two, great size for a corner. But um, you know, he's not perfect by any means. Uh, looking at his scouting report, we'll look at Joe Marino's pros and cons here. It says he's a long rangy long rangy corner that does well to stay leveraged over routes, uh, aggressively crowds receivers at the release, and he does well to stay balanced and patient. Sticky carrying routes down the field and remains in phase. Uh, But some of his cons that Joe has uh, high hips lead to leggy transitions. So he has to be sharp with anticipating breaks, particularly an off man. He competes, but he isn't consistent playing off contact in pursuit and he gets pinned by stock blocks, thin and wiry, thin and wiry frame that presents some challenges when facing more physical receivers and how he competes for position. Excuse me, at the catch point. Uh, so Joe th- believes his best trait is route anticipation. Worst trait, narrow build. Uh, compares him to Jonathan Banks, uh, one of the former former draft picks out of the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Though I don't recall offhand where where Jonathan Banks is actually. He because uh, and I remember I was pretty high on, on Jonathan Banks, I'll admit. He was uh a, a little bit of a little bit of a bust for me, but you know, he's still he still was in the league for a few years. I mean he hasn't played now since uh since twenty seventeen when he was last with the Houston Texans, didn't even last the whole season, uh was released in the middle of the season. So he's actually uh, so he's been out of the league now for a couple years, but again, he was a former uh, second round pick of the Buccaneers. Uh, the overall that Joe Marino writes is Cameron Danzler was one of the SEC's top cornerbacks over the last two seasons and enters the NFL with 22 starts under his belt. His presence on the field forced opposing quarterbacks to look the other way and Dantzler surrendered very little production and coverage. A versatile cover man, Dantzler has upside and press, zone, and off man coverage, and he plays with the competitive edge you love to see in cornerbacks. He is aggressive in attacking the football and has a quick trigger when firing downhill to tackle. Dantzler features plenty of height and length, but he has a thin and narrow frame, which presents some restrictions playing through contact and dealing with more physical receivers at the catch point and the top of routes. Dantzler profiles as a versatile starter and adding functional strength, will bring that opportunity quicker. Dansler, I think, is going to be around in the third round. So if the Panthers somehow don't attack corner in the first two rounds, then Dantzler is definitely a guy to keep an eye on in uh, in round three. And, you know, again, I said he, he wasn't perfect, but I still came away liking what I saw, at least in that Ole Miss game. He, um, you know, he's another guy that I think uh, runs with receivers pretty well. Uh, but again, he does have, you know, six two one eighty five. So he does have a little bit of a small frame. He he definitely has room to to build that. But uh, he he definitely has upside. I, I I agree with Joe there. He definitely has the ability to uh to continue to develop here. And again, for a guy that I think you could probably get in the third round. Uh, he and especially for the Panthers, they can work with work with Dantzler, build him up, and I think he can turn out to be a, a pretty solid corner. So. So, so far, like I said, we've got a bunch of corners here. Uh, again, because we talked about three yesterday. We talked about Trayvon Diggs. We talked about Noah Igbenogany and A.J. Terrell. And today we looked at Damon Arnett, Jalen Johnson, and Cameron Dancer. Now, if I'm looking at these six, if I had to pick one, i tell you what. I'm a f- I'm a big fan, I think, of Igbenogany. and It's like I talked about yesterday. His ability to develop his strength and his play, his play strength and his ability in such a short amount of time, I think is fantastic. And I think that's the kind of guy I want on my team because, um, he has the, he clearly has the football IQ and you can clearly, uh, work with him, teach him. And he, he's going to, you know, not that these other guys aren't going to learn, but it just feels like Igbenogany just has that, just has that processing ability, that fast processing ability, and, uh, you know, give him a couple years, and I think he can turn into a really good cornerback. And then, obviously, he's got the speed background. You know, he's under six feet. You know, was listed, at least on the draft network, uh, 5'11", 200 pounds. Let me double-check what he came in at at the Combine when he... Uh, so, at the, at the Combine, he measured in at, actually, 5'10", 198. So, under six feet, but... You know, listen. We've obviously seen a lot of corners under six feet that have been very successful, and the fact that he's almost two hundred pounds uh, gives him an advantage. And again, the speed obviously is a is a great factor as well. He ran a four four eight forty, which is really good for a corner. Um, like we talked about yesterday, he has the track background. Uh, he ran track in college. Uh, his father was a track athlete. His mother was a track athlete. So he's got that athletic ability kind of uh, in his genes already. He had it like even when he was born. So I really like if he's there in round two and the Panthers the Panthers go in a different direction, I think right now I'm, I would probably start pounding the table uh, for Noah Igbenogany. Uh, in round two, you know, I wonder if the Panthers would have to trade up, you know, I don't think I'd have a problem if the Panthers were to trade into the back end of round one, if they wanted to ensure that they get him, you know, they, they at least do have an extra pick, you know, it's, it's not like, uh, it's not like they're only stuck now with just their seven draft picks. Again, they do have now the extra eighth or yeah, the extra eighth round pick. The um the extra fifth round pick that they got from the Redskins. So, for example, let's let's actually look at the trade chart. Obviously, you know we don't really use the trade chart much, uh, in the in the league, or at least teams don't really. We we kind of use it as a guideline. But if we're looking at uh, the trade value chart and the points associated with uh, all the Panthers picks, let's say the Panthers are sitting at thirty eight. And let's say they wanted to trade up with a team like the San Francisco 49ers, who might want to get some extra picks. Because remember, they're still sitting without uh, without picks in rounds 2 through 4, I believe. Yes, of course, they did pick up uh, that extra first-round pick in the the uh, DeForest Buckner trade. But they're still sitting without picks in rounds 2, 3, and 4. So I still believe... That, uh, that San Francisco is a pretty good trade back candidate. And if we're looking at the trade value chart here, pick 31 by the 49ers is worth 600 points. Pick 38 for the Panthers is worth 520. So you're only looking at an 80-point difference if they wanted to move up from 38 to 31. So the Panthers could trade, say say a fourth and a fifth you know say their, their fourth round pick and one of their fifth round picks, that would actually be a little more than a, a, a 80 points. so point wise it would still be in the the 49ers favor. so if the Panthers wanted to ship say a fourth and a fifth to San Francisco for pick 31 to ensure that they get one of these corners, I don't think that would be such a bad idea. now yes I've said they should uh, should acquire picks. But they can definitely do that by trading down from 7. If they trade down from 7, let's let's say, for example, uh, the Raiders want to trade up from number 12. Okay, Just as a a hypothetical situation. The the, the Raiders want to trade up from 12 to 7 with the Panthers. Well, the Raiders are sitting at number 12. Remember, they have 12 and 19. Uh, But let's say they want to move up from 12. That's worth 1,200 points. Uh, Carolina's pick at seven is worth 1,500 points. So a trade-up from uh, Las Vegas uh, to move up those five spots from 12 to seven probably would require, you know, and remember, the Raiders don't have a second-round pick. So it would probably take a couple of their third-round picks because they do have three picks in the third round. So that that would be at least one scenario. The the Raiders could package two of their second-round picks, say 80 and 91 or 81 and 91, uh, to move up from 12 to seven. And now all of a sudden the Panthers have, they have three picks in the second round. So it would make it a little more feasible to make that aforementioned trade with the 49ers to, to move up from 38 to 31. So if, if I'm the Panthers, I, I strongly consider trading down from seven and then at least think about the possibility of trading back up into into the back end of round one. And, and I might do a mock draft, either just a full first round mock or a seven round with the Panthers at some point to kind of see how that's... Because you know, I'm curious now how that scenario would play out and who could potentially be available. Um, or if we use another team, for example, that might trade up. Let's say Tampa Bay. Let's say T- Tampa Bay wants to trade up... For uh, from 14 to seven to ensure, maybe they take a quarterback or maybe they want to get one of the top offensive tackles to protect Tom Brady. You know, maybe they're liking Trist, uh, Tristan Wirfs, and they want to ensure they get him before uh, Arizona gets a chance at him. Well, Tampa Bay is sitting at pick 14, they've got uh, that's worth 1,100 points, so that's a 400 point difference now between seven and 14. Remember Tampa Bay and we've done this scenario a couple times in these uh, seven round mocks we've done with the Panthers. Tampa has a second round pick. So Tampa could throw in that second round pick, which would be number 45 overall. That's worth four hundred and fifty points. And that would even out or well, actually slightly favor the Panthers. It'd be fifteen fifty versus uh fifteen hundred. And maybe to sweeten the deal, maybe the Bucks would throw in a later round pick, maybe a fifth or a sixth to kind of entice, entice the Panthers, or maybe the Panthers would ask for a uh, an extra late-round pick. But uh, at the very least with Tampa, they would have a second-round pick to offer. So, you know, maybe, maybe you get those two offers from those two teams. Maybe a second-round pick and, say, a fifth or a sixth from Tampa Bay versus, say, two third-round picks from uh, Las Vegas to trade down from number seven. But... At this point, I, I still believe that uh, the Panthers' best move is to look to trade out of number 7 because they need to acquire some picks. And again, even if they do decide then to trade back in at 31, at least they still have those extra picks to work with. Again, these are just a couple scenario hypothetical scenarios that, uh, that the Panthers could be looking at uh, if they want to acquire some picks and just you know get these player be able to get some of these top players that they uh, that they might want to get. So just just a couple of things to keep in mind here. Um you know the the trade value chart is of course available online. You could easily find it. You can see uh the different point values with uh, all the picks. So It can kind of help you make uh, trade decisions if you wanted to do a uh, a mock draft with the trades.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So with that in mind, I think we're going to wrap it up here for the week. As always, uh, thank you guys so much for spending some time with me. Really do appreciate it as always. Uh, Again, stay safe this weekend. Uh, We will Get through through this together. I promise, and it'll all be back to normal. Hopefully, at some point sooner rather than later. But uh, again, thanks for spending your week with me. Have a great weekend, you guys, and we'll be back on Monday to do it all again right here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. So until then, Bill Rossetti signing off. See you Monday. Take care, everybody. I am out. Peace out. <laughs>